my dad was a fisherman. That was the fishing industry that brought me up. I was the youngest of three boys and I was spoiled, clean rotten. I was the baby. And it was probably then in 2005, 2006, that the guys made a big decision. It was a monumental decision, a revolutionary decision for them at the time, which was that they were going to get more involved in the marketing of their own seafood. PO, no matter what we do, be it fish sales, managing quotas, processing, diversifying into offshore energy, having a little shop, everything we are doing is there for the fishermen. Welcome to episode 19 of Fathom. We are continuing our lap around the UK in order to understand how people, places and projects are evolving through current challenges, but also keeping an eye on the horizon in regards to other looming issues and opportunities and how we can share best practice and learn from one another to help the industry progress. So we made our way from speaking with Fisheries Innovation Scotland and hopped over to Northern Ireland to catch up with Alan McCullough from the Anglo-North Irish Fish Producers Organisation. This is the first time we've welcomed another PO onto Fathom and my co-host Paul Trebilcock converses with Alan in what is a very interesting episode, starting with the history of the PO and Alan's role there, but then really delving into the importance of a PO's role in terms of marketing and going above and beyond the traditional role of quota management. Something that has certainly been crucial in recent months, but it's clear that Alan has been on a mission with this for many years, developing their own brand, processing factories and a customer facing shop. There is a real theme of the importance of building resilience in this conversation, and Alan highlights the progressive actions that they have taken on to support their members. As Paul and Alan both mentioned, each area has its own way of working, and what is discussed here isn't something that any PO can just pick up off the shelf and implement, but it's fascinating to hear about how POs are breaking new ground with some of their initiatives. So let's get into episode 19. Over to Paul and Alan. Okay, so here we are, episode 19. We started our virtual tour of the UK, I think last week or the week before, we were in Scotland at Fisheries Innovation Scotland. We heard a bit from Cara there and Paul McDonald about some broad-based projects that came from not just fishers, but from uh, managers, scientists and that sort of thing, and, and it was a valuable insight there. So today we've jumped across the Irish Sea, another Celtic cousin in uh, Northern Ireland, and we've got Alan McCullough from the Anglo-Northern Irish Fish Producers Organisation and of course I should refer to him by his proper title which is Lord McCullough of Kilkeel but um, he's certainly one of the, the stalwarts and been around for a long time in the fishing industry, been at ANIFPO I think for over 20 years and has, has led that organisation through many challenges, many high points, many low points so um, I thought it was a good time to get him on in the spirit of learning and sharing others' experiences, what we can take from that. So, as always, I'm not going to say much. I'm going to hand over to Alan, let him introduce himself, let him tell you a bit about what ANIFPO is, what their membership looks like, and what they're all about. So, welcome, Alan, and on you go. Thanks very much for that introduction. You are very, very flattering. I will say at the outlet, the CFPO and the fishing industry in Cornwall is very lucky to have Paul. Paul has described me as a stalwart in the industry. I think it's fair to say that Paul has become one of the leaders of the UK fishing industry. And I mean that in in all sincerity. As far as my history is concerned, I I was born into the fishing industry in this organisation in 28 years. But when people ask me, how long I've been employed or been involved in the fishing industry. Actually, the answer is closer to 53 years from, in other words, from the day I was born. My dad was a fisherman. It was the fishing industry that brought me up. I was the youngest of three boys and I was spoiled, clean rotten. I was the baby. Um, I was of the generation that went to university, chucked it in after about two weeks, uh, came home, 
was told, well, you're not going to sit here and do nothing. You need to go and find a job. I uh, got a good cushy government job for a couple of years. And then at that time, fishermen here coming up to Christmas all had uh, jolly big parties. And at the party in December 1981, some of the owners came up to my mum actually and said, there's a job coming up at the harbour in Kilkeel. Do you think Alan would be interested? And my mum's answer was definitely not. Alan's not coming back to Kilkeel. He's quite happy where he's at. And six months later, I was at the harbour in Kilkeel. And the rest is history. There's been high points. There's been a lot of low points too. Some very low and sad points. I think about the development of the organisation from June 1992. We, we did what most POs probably do today. We manage quotas. We represent our members. As Paul is sick and tired listening to me, sitting around many tables talking about cod recovery in the RAC. That's really when it all changed for us in about the year, the year 2000. And the guys here had to make a very, very fundamental decision about their future. And it was probably then in 2005, 2006, that the guys made a big decision. It was a monumental decision, a revolutionary decision for them at the time, which was that they were going to get more involved in the marketing of their own seafood. And uh, I say it's revolutionary, but actually when you look what POs are supposed to do, marketing is a big angle. And I suppose the, the history of that was towards the end of the 1990s, I was lucky enough to be invited to go on expeditions to the Far East, to China, with the Scottish Fishermen's Organisation, with Ian McSween, who in many ways was a mentor. And we stood at those exhibitions in Beijing and Shanghai and exotic locations like that's promoting Scottish seafood. And I said to myself, well, I wonder will I find myself someday at these exhibitions promoting seafood from Northern Ireland? And ultimately I did. And uh, it all started when the guys made that decision to open their own fish sales company. That was always the first step on the ladder. They then progressed to buying their first factory in, in Kilkeel. They bought or took over another factory in Kilkeel and were moving onwards and upwards. And, you know, people have said to me about answering the challenges over the past few months with COVID-19. The factories are a challenge. The factories are a massive financial challenge. It takes up a lot of my time and the team's time. But if ever there was a time that I am glad that we had our own factories and our own processing capability, it is right now. Uh, because to be perfectly frank about it, if we hadn't have had those factories, the fleet here would have been tied up for much longer than the two months it was tied up. But it's the fact that we have our own marketing arm um, and our own processing capability that the fleet are at sea today. I'm glad to say it's not situation normal by a long way. It's not going to be normal for a long time, but we're doing our bit. And that's because we, we moved into marketing ourselves. I think people sometimes forget that, that POs, one of their core functions is marketing and a lot overlook it. But I know that in Cornwall, we've developed a sort of seafood Cornwall arm of the PO, which is about promotion and marketing. But you've taken that role even further. You spoke there about the, the factory you've bought, so you have the ability to buy your members' catch, and, and obviously that supports market price. Um, and I know you've got the, the, the shop, so you're selling direct to the public as well, which is all good. Were, were there challenges in, in securing that from even within the organisation? I mean, I know ourselves, you know, we're quite diverse membership. That might be quite a hard thing to deliver. We can get so far, but obviously you must have overcome some initial scepticism at, at least, I would think. Well, absolutely, Paul. I refer, it's another story. And uh, a couple of years ago, we had the senior team from, from DEFRA here, and they visited Kilkeel, and they went round the harbour with me, and we went out in the boat, and we went to the factory, and it was beautiful, as it always is in our part of the world. And at the end of it, one of the, one of the team said, you know what, Alan, what you've achieved here in Kilkeel and Northern Ireland is very, very good. Do you think that could be replicated around the rest of the United Kingdom? And my answer was, of course it could be, and it could be done a whole lot better. 
than what we've done it here in Kilkeen. But of course, every region is different. And we've developed a model here which specifically suits our situation in Northern Ireland. I'm not pretending for one minute that that would suit the situation in Cornwall or, or any other part of the United Kingdom. And of course, our, our model came with challenges. Some people will accuse us about to, uh, to create a monopoly that a NIFCO or C-Source, which is the brand that we're known as now, is out to take over the world. And far from it. Uh, like we found ourselves in a position a few years ago where, because of a consolidation in the industry, that competition on the key side on the market was very much constrained. And our members were suffering in terms of key side prices. And we entered the market. And it's not about creating a monopoly. Definitely not. We welcome competition. And sometimes when we have a discussion with that within the C-Source business, some of the managers and staff will look at me and ask, are you feeling okay? Are you, are, are you wise enough? Because you want competition. And of course I want competition. Because at the end of the day, the PO, no matter what we do, be it fish sales, managing quotas, processing, diversifying into offshore energy, having a little shop, everything we are doing is there for fishermen it's there for their benefit and sometimes fishermen as they tend to do will say you aren't doing enough and it's not my interest and they'll go someplace else and that's fine that's that's competition and it's healthy competition but i always remember paul that po's are here for their members and their members are the fishermen full stop couldn't agree more with that sentence that POs are there for their members, their members are fishermen, full stop. So 100% agree with that one, Alan. And I think the other thing that struck me there was, you know, the, the, the point you make about the innovation you've shown there in, in an IFPO sea source with the factory, uh, with the shop and everything else has come with its challenges, but has come with the backing of your membership, has come with the support of your members for the benefit of your members. So it has to be the right thing to do for a, for a proactive, forward-moving producer organisation. I think the other thing that struck me, the, the model you have there at Seasource works for your membership. And it wouldn't be a case of just replicating or copying around the coast of the UK. It would be a case of recognizing the principles understanding what your membership your region needs and then developing exactly right paul exactly right like um, again and i said somewhat tongue-in-cheek here we are in northern ireland where the colony within the uk you know where the plebs out on the left wing uh, with the paupers and all of this like like we're, we're really hard done by and we, and we really get depressed when we hear that meanwhile back in the real world um, in many ways yes we're leading and i intend to keep us leading paul and if, that, if the model has to change going forward, we will change the model as a flexible approach. If ever there was a time to, to, to change, of course, it's now. It's, it's all the opportunities that Brexit offers the United Kingdom as a whole. Uh, but it's also about the opportunities that Brexit offers regions of the United Kingdom. And one of the challenges that you and I and many others in the industry has to face going forward is the, the live subject this week, UK fisheries bill, and how you, fisheries are going to be managed in the UK in the future. And a big part of that will be the devolved responsibility. And with that will come uh, changes in allegiances, changes in the ways that we do things. Maybe what we're doing here now, a Zoom call, is going to be the way you and I interact in the future much more than the one-on-one meetings, be it London or Brussels, and the run up to Christmas that we've been used with up to now. But like overall, we've developed the model here. It's not a perfect model. There's always room for improvement. And I'm not coming to Cornwall to say, this is the way you should do it, guys. Absolutely not. Don't expect anybody to do it to me, and I won't do it to the industry around Cornwall or the CFPO. We're always in learning mode, 
And like one of the ways we learn is every couple of years, Paul, as you know, we, we, we get a bunch of the fishermen from around the coast here. We team them up with officials from the department with a fishery scientist and we go away on a good jolly someplace. And like those jollies over the last 15, 16 years have taken us right around the North Atlantic from Norway to the United States, Iceland and all points between. We were in Canada last year. It was a success to the degree that we were going to go back to Newfoundland this year. But COVID has hit that on the head for 2020. And we're now starting to plan for 2021. But the whole point from these, as well as having a good time and allowing the, the fishermen to interact with officials and scientists, is that we do pick up ideas. We're always learning. And some of those ideas, be it like innovative trolls or whatever, we bring them home and we try them. And we have deployed ideas that we found overseas. So we're, we're not that proud or we're not too smart to say that we know it all, Paul. And I know that from experience, Alan, you know, and, and the guys there in Northern Ireland are, uh, are always always open to learn, always open to have that conversation. And uh, of course, everybody's heard of the legendary, the infamous jollies, as you put them, to, to places like uh, Canada. You've been in America, I know. You know, we can all look and say they were a jolly, but equally, we can also have another look and say, do you know what? Let's have a close look at where sea source has come from, what it's picked up on its journey around, not just the factory, but understanding what benefits its members, whether it be the gear used to catch it or selling it or promotion and branding of it. So, you know, nobody could level that. Those expeditions weren't worth it and didn't contribute something good. So more food for thought. It's worth saying too, it's something that I found over the last few trips that yes, we're, we're continually learning, but you know what? I, I found now that when we visit some of these places that fishermen, for example, in Nova Scotia last year, are now actually picking ideas up from our visits. As a place that our fishermen, be they in Cornwall or be they in Northern Ireland, a lot of the time get into that they really undervalue themselves. And of course, as the old adage that the grass is always greener on the other side of the street, definitely not. We're all faced with challenges, be it in an 80-metre pelagic trawler or an under-10-metre handliner fishing for mackerel off your coast. Everybody has challenges. And even with the whole crisis over the last three months, I tend to look across the, the, the border on the island that I'm living on and say to our guys, you know what? It's not good. Nobody can pretend it's good. But the regional decisions that have been made in Northern Ireland, you're in a much better place than your colleagues are in the Republic of Ireland. So it's always tendency. Grass is always green on the other side of the street. Not all the time. And as you know, Alan, I am the world's biggest advocate for Cornish fishermen in their innovation, their ingenuity and their ability to overcome pretty much anything. So couldn't agree more with that. But, but as you say, you know, it's that about learning picking up the good ideas and then adapting them and manipulating, moulding them to what's appropriate back home. That's the exemplar I take from that. You touched on the, the, the fisheries bill just then and these are changing, challenging, uncharted waters and just maybe what your thoughts are in terms of, of POs in general, the PO movement, because sometimes POs get a hard press um, they're just for big players. And, you know, I know here in, in the CFPO, we're made up of under 10s through to company-owned beamers and stuff like that. But it'd be interesting to get your take and how important do you think producer organisations are going to be going forward as not just in influencing the fisheries bill and the new regime for fisheries management in the UK post-Brexit, but as, as organisations, as a voice of fishermen collectively, well, look, um, Paul, I suppose it's a lesson that you learn from travelling. In many ways, the fishing industry in the UK is very fragmented uh, compared to what the industry is in other parts of the world. People will, you're quite right, issue the charge at POs and, oh, you're only interested in big boats. Well, 
In terms of number of vessels, Paul, Anglo-North Irish PO is considerably smaller than the Cornish PO, but our membership extends from 80-metre pelagic trawlers to 10-metre single-handed boats fishing for lobster. And it fascinates me on occasion when you see these little videos being produced, which highlight maybe one of our pelagic trawlers saying, oh, he's a big bad person. He's gobbled up all the quota and he's starving the small boat men of it. And uh, the quota should be redistributed and all this other nonsense, Paul. And I say that for a reason, because when, when I go around the harbour and when I go around the boats in Kilkeel Harbour from the smallest boat to the biggest boat, the guys are very, very proud here locally of the fact that we have a presence in, in Europe's premier division of the fishing industry. We have those big pelagic trawlers. And actually for the guys in the small boats, that actually gives them a lot of encouragement. That there's people there that within two or three generations started off on a small boat like that. But through investment, hard work and dedication, they are now at the top of the premier division in terms of the fishing fleet. Now, did the PO play a big role in that? Probably not. It was the determination of individuals and their own skills and everything else that drove them on. But the PO's here to help. And it's what I say, be it about our marketing arm or about the PO in general, I'm not interested in a monopoly. If you look at the rules, and I'm sure the, PO, the Cornish PO is the same, if people didn't like what you're doing, they have the, the ability to vote you out every year, and I'm the same. So in terms of competition, be it POs, be it markets, factories, or anything else, I'm not afraid of it. Our goal here is simple, and that's to look after the best interests of fishermen. Personally, like you, I think that interest is best served through the PO structure. And certainly if you're sitting in government, they don't want to be talking to how many fishing vessels do we have around the UK on an individual basis. That would be an absolute minefield. So I'm not out to create a monopoly, but I think in most cases, in most cases, people realise that there have to be, it's like any, and I hate using the word Paul, union. They need to be organised if they want to influence government in any meaningful way, because we all know the old adage, divide and conquer. Absolutely. I agree with you. I'm not sure about the word union, but it is about collective interest. And, and you know, yes, around our around our CFPO board table, we have difference of opinions between, between members from time to time, but that's washing we do behind closed doors here in the boardroom. The common ground is what influences government and policymakers, I think, uh, and that's what's important. And it's not about being dictators or anything like that. It's about as we said right at the start, producer organisations are fishermen's organisations paid for, run by and run for fishermen. So I think the, the producer organisations become more important for fishermen, big or small, as we go through into the new regime because it's important that the fishing voice is heard at the very top level and that requires some pulling together. One of the issues that we certainly have to be very alive to here in Northern Ireland is what's called the Ireland-Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, like I remember at the beginning of the year again when we had the senior team from DEFRA across, they said to me and others, you're pretty lucky in Northern Ireland because at least going forward, you know what the trading relationship is between yourselves and the European Union. And in many ways, Paul, that's right. But like as, as well as the important stuff that we were discussing earlier today, another big issue for me is actually where the protocol could leave the fishing fleet here in Northern Ireland. Um, and like one of the issues is, um, and, and this is a wee bit absurd when you think about it, that, of course, the protocol itself ends at the high water mark. It's only to do with the island. It's not to do with the territorial seas around the island. So I have a bunch of guys here in the county down coast who come the 1st of January next year will be British registered fishing vessels. They will sail into British waters. They will 
hopefully catch British quota and they will take it on board and say, where should we land it? And the likelihood is to go, oh, let's land it back in our home ports in Northern Ireland. And when they come back to Kilkeelard, Lass and Portagogie, there's a question mark. And the question mark is that the way the protocol is written is that they actually might be classed as vessels from a third country landing into the European Union or the single market. And as such, they will have all sorts of declarations and documentation to provide. Now, I'm reassured by the great and the good that that actually wasn't the intention of the protocol and that workarounds are being developed. But from a regional point of view, clearly, Paul, and I know you get it, that, that's where organisations like ours and our sister organisation here in Northern Ireland come into their own. Uh, that's not on the national radar, but clearly right now it's a vital issue here. And without a proper regionalised structure, which is best afforded through POs, what would happen? I think that's an absolutely diamond example of the value of POs at a regional level. Not always seen, um, not always publicly revered, but that hard graph, so brilliant. Um, listen, given everything you've said, you must be a busy man, so I'm kind of trying to let you go now. But before you do go, we are, as we've just said, going through some pretty uncharted waters. Would you be happy to come back in, in six weeks, eight weeks, as we get a bit further into things and maybe revisit and see how we're getting on? Absolutely, Paul. Like, um, England has, has, well, I can't say benefited English fishermen with COVID-19, put them in a position where effectively we had to go to our hands out like we did in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, asking for some financial assistance from from government. That's a, a live issue as we speak. Always conscious that I have to keep my feet on the ground, Paul, as you do. Uh, at least the boats are at sea. They're making a living. But will there be a second wave of COVID? Will markets collapse again? Don't know. But like we, we have to plan for contingencies. And literally, that's what we are doing now. It's great today. Everybody's happy, um, even if it is 50% of normal but these are the kind of issues that we need to keep on our radar. So I would say six, eight weeks' time would be a very interesting time to, to check back in to see how things are going. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Lord McCullough. And I'll see you in six, eight weeks' time, mate. It was a pleasure, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you. Fathom was brought to you by the Cornish Fish Producers Organisation with support from Seafarers UK. Thank you.